Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, May 27th, 2022. I'm Alex Hogan. As Russia steadily advances in eastern Ukraine in the latest military movements of the war. They probably will take a a tactical retreat and pull their their troops out and, and back towards the west and cede that territory to the Russians. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says the attacks in the Donbass are clear examples of genocide. Russian troops continue to intensify bombings in the east and are reportedly gearing up a third line of defense to protect taken territory. So there are two wars going on here. Um, there's, the, there's the war over the map, which is where are the Russian troops, where are the Ukrainian troops? This is Dr. Matthew Schmidt, associate professor of national security, political science and Russia expert from the University of New Haven. Who's, who's taking what land, what color are we coloring it in when we, we look at you know, TV uh, graphics? And then there's the war um, over combat effectiveness, which is how many units are we making combat ineffective by drawing them into a fight in, in say, Severodonetsk. So that's really why that's important. There are, there are tactical reasons about where rivers are and things like this. Um, the Ukraine, essentially, the, 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 if you look at a map, the Russians are trying to envelop it. Use a classic sort of pincer movement, if you know World War II, the Battle of the Bulge, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That's essentially, that's essentially what this is. And the Ukrainians are trying to hold on to the city and trying to, to push that bulge deeper into Russian territory in order to sort of split it. What's really going on is that the Russians have thrown everything they have into this fight because they have not been able to be successful in their other axes of attack in the Donbass. In this spot, in this salient, they are being successful. They probably will take the city and some other cities and close it. There's loss, though. They're losing a lot of equipment. They're losing um, a lot of men. At the same time, the Ukrainians are taking probably the biggest losses of the war. We don't actually know what those losses are. The Ukrainians have been very um, closed about that. And at the same time, American intelligence, which knows what those answers are, has been supporting Mm -hmm. its ally by not releasing those numbers. But what we can glean from Zelensky's recent statements is that they're, they're taking losses. And I would expect that they probably will take a, um, a tactical retreat and pull their, their troops out and, and back towards the West and cede that territory to the Russians. So that when, when this particular engagement is over, you're likely to have two forces that are essentially exhausted neither of whom that will be able to engage in large-scale offensive maneuver anytime soon. You will see, you will continue to see over the course of the summer, tactical uh, offensive moves and, you know, wins and losses on that level. But I think the big muscle movements 
the big, you know, combat arm uh, maneuver stuff, combined arms maneuver is, is going to end for a while. So and that's something war, that we've, we've heard uh, yeah. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky repeatedly say that they will not give up any territory. They're not going to make any concessions. And you disagree with that. You think that inevitably some land will be taken away and, and territory is going to be lost? Or do you see this more as a temporary issue yeah. that we'll see in the, in the weeks and maybe months ahead? It's temporary. So a strategic, a, a tactical retreat is just what it sounds like. It says, mm-hmm. at this moment in time, we can't hold this this piece of land without, uh, you know, unreasonable losses. So we are going to make the tactical decision, this decision in this moment of time to retreat in order to save personnel, in order to save equipment. But we are not agreeing to cede this land to the Russians. Somewhere down the line, two months, three months, a year, we fully plan to come back and, and own this territory. Yeah, and especially in the East, within the last couple of days, we've seen that Russian troops have made some small and steady gains, but it's not necessarily the speed at which they predicted or expected. Mm-hmm. They have been saying that they're not chasing any deadlines here. So do you believe that, or do you think this is just a deflection? I think it's hard to believe anything the Russians are saying, and it's, it's really hard to know. So you would have to say, you know, what deadline, right? So mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, we were all talking about May 9th. Oh, the Russians are going to do this. They need a big win, you know, on May 9th. It turns out they, they didn't really get one, right? And they didn't really seem to try for one. But they had decided. Yeah. And again, just for clarity, deadline, uh, May 9th yeah. was the victory day when people were expecting to have this big speech come out. And we really just did not see that come to fruition. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what the deadline would be. I mean, maybe, maybe internally, you know, President Putin is saying, Here's the deadline. You have to do this for X, Y, and Z reasons. But we just don't know. And, and the big takeaway I would leave with on all of this is that the war is now a, about forced generation. In order to continue major uh, combined arms maneuver on either side, either side, both sides have to generate more forces. And there's two, there's two parts to that. One is they just need numbers. Right. The Russians have to have more bodies in play in combat. The Ukrainians do, too. But the second one is even more important, which is they have to have combat effectiveness. Right? This is these are like basketball teams. You can have two basketball teams with five players each and, and all the, the guys on the bench and reserve and you know, all the tools and coaching. But one team is going to play better than the other. It's going to be more combat effective on that court for reasons of morale, for reasons of training. Yeah. And what's going on right now is a fight to develop uh, enough units with combat effectiveness. And the Russians are really struggling with that because they've lost a lot of men, not just men, but they've lost a lot of leadership. And in the Russian um, military culture, that really hurts their capacity to plan an offensive operation. That is, They don't have a lot of people that are very good at saying, we're going to cross the river down here and we're going to have you know, air cover here or use a drone over here. That's complicated. It's the kind of thing it takes years to train people at in professional military schools, and the Russians don't do it down the line. And so they've lost a lot of that capacity, which means it's easier for them to sit on the defense um, than to go on the offense. The Ukrainians, on the other hand, have seemed to be very good in this whole war at, at, at finding creative ways to go on the offense. But what they need is weapons. And what they need right now is what, again, what Zelensky asked for were these, these multiple launch rocket systems. They need long range fires. We've been speaking to Dr. Matthew Schmidt, Associate Professor of National Security, Political Science, and Russia expert from the University of New Haven. More coming up after this.
And one thing that I do think is interesting also about the the manpower and the forces that we're looking at in this war of people who are willing to enlist and wanting to fight. When I was in Lviv, there were so many men who were walking around that people that I met who said they wanted to join, but they simply couldn't because there was no need at this point. There weren't enough resources to train enough people. Do you think that Russia is seeing a similar issue with not having either not having enough forces but not having the means to train them or simply just not having those resources to tap into? So they have the means to train. The question is, is how fast can they do it? And an interesting thing is that Putin just signed into law uh, an exemption to the conscription laws, allowing older people to, to enlist, right? 40-year-olds and, and, and even, even older to enlist. But why is he doing that? He's trying to get men who had combat experience 20 years ago in Chechnya who would be easier to train into combat effectiveness to get them faster into the field in Ukraine. But what that's telling you is, right, the whole, the whole planning for this, for this war at the beginning was insufficient, right? It didn't think these things through in a long-term way, and now they're trying to bootstrap themselves uh, into a position where they can go on the offensive in the next 60 or 90 days. Yeah. And speaking of offensive, so much of this war has been looking at the types of regions that Russia is attempting to cut off in order to separate Ukraine either from its own territories internally, from the Black Sea has been a major area they have been looking at. Do you think at this point, cutting off Ukraine from the Black Sea is realistic for Russian forces? I think it is, um, mostly because Ukraine doesn't have a navy to compete with. So it's, it's doing the best that it can with, it, you know, with its homemade anti-ship missiles and these kinds of things or holding on to Snake Island. Um, but in the end, Russia's got a navy and Ukraine doesn't. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many attempts that we've seen in the last several months of trying to put pressure on Russia to get them to pull out of Ukraine. And it's really impacting private citizens on a very personal level from the economy to, let's say, looking at athletes who've been banned from their sports. So there is some division into that as to whether or not this is right or wrong. So what are your thoughts on that? I think if you look at sanctions, for instance, we, we've, we've ignored a fundamental fact the idea is, is that you have people with a lot of money, and if you impose sanctions, they lose a lot of money. And when they lose too much money, they go to President Putin and they say, we want you to change policy in Ukraine. And we forget about that last part, that mm-hmm. all of the first parts can happen, but they still may not be willing to go talk to Putin, either because they believe in the war and, and the idea of manifest destiny that Putin is putting out there as a rationale, or they're afraid that they'll uh, or their families will be assassinated, as we know Putin does. So that it doesn't necessarily follow that just because sanctions work or just because banning an athlete works, it will cause a change in policy. Uh, and I, I think we make a, a big mistake and we really misunderstand um, the way Russia works when we when we assume that it's not like the United States. It's not like a lobbying operation in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. And whether or not people are willing, have the courage to go to him, or even have the contacts and resources to speak with Putin. Uh, and it's interesting, one, one aspect of this that came out, it's not just international sporting organizations that are cutting off and banning athletes, even things like the International Federation of Cats announced that Russian-bred yeah. cats can no longer be imported, they cannot be registered to any pedigree books, and they can't enter competitions outside of the country. Yeah, I think I think a lot of this, 
really goes against what we stand for in the West, right? We don't believe in collective punishment. We have court systems and we say, if you're accused of a crime, there has to be evidence and you have a right mm -hmm. to a defense. And, and we're going to go through this due process to work this out. And when we just ban, you know, Medvedev from, from Wimbledon, um, we're not looking at him as an individual, which is how we would look at people in the West. We're looking at him as a collective part of a country that he didn't, you know, have any control of being born in or not. I think it's different with things like the Olympics, but, but in these cases of the cats, I mean, I, I just think this is ridiculous and it's sort of virtue signaling by a lot of these organizations. And another, another thing that came out of this in the last couple of days, uh, U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. So he announced that there's this new joint effort with the U.K. and the EU to document Russian war crimes in Ukraine. As far as this goes, do you think that will make any difference? I don't think it makes any difference in the course of the war or on Putin's decision making. Uh, he he has rationales, uh, right, for why he does these things, and he does not consider them crimes. He has a theory of what war is that these fit into, but it's critically important for the future, right? Someday this is going to end, and it's going to end in the streets of Moscow. And someday the Russian people will have to decide to withdraw their consent. Um, mm -hmm. from, from Putin and, and people like him. And whoever comes after, right, has to understand uh, the truth of what happened, has to, has to take responsibility like Nazi Germany did to, uh, you know, for, for these crimes and, 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 and be real, rehabilitated and rehabilitate society in that way with some kind of, you know, truth and reconciliation process. And gathering this evidence is critically important to it. It's, it's the first step. Dr. Matthew Schmidt, Associate oh. Professor of National Security, Political Science, and Russia expert from the University of New Haven. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.